1: And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time
2: and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website, www.thebiblelive.com, or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to the Bible
1: Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test
2: and grow your knowledge of the Bible.
1: The entire Bible every year.
2: On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Some people ask questions for
1: the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial, because here's the host of The Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Sophie Dollar.
0: Annual excursion through the book, the book of books, the old book, the Bible. Actually, uh, not just one book, it's sixty-six. Different books, uh, depending, uh, Jacob reminds us quite often that uh, there are different numbers of books and different uh, peoples, uh, the Greek Orthodox and the Roman Catholic and the this and the that and the other, but generally, broadly, widely accepted, 66 books written over a period of about 1,500 years. Can you imagine that? This, this book, uh, that that's... It's a long time, and then it's written in uh, forty forty different authors, um, uh, somewhere around forty. We're unsure the authorship of just uh, maybe one of them. I guess uh, the Book of Hebrews is the one that's most notable that we don't know exactly who wrote it. Uh, but you've got this this book over that period of time with those, and it was written. Folks, this book was written in times of war, times of peace times of plenty, times of scarcity and famine and and drought and so on. There were times of uh, locust invasions. There was time, uh, like I said, uh, sometimes in all kinds of situations, times of uh, sometimes it's written by the king up in the palace uh, throne uh, sometimes it 's written by people down in, in the in the palace dungeon you know that that are kept there uh, prisoners and from jails and prisons sometimes it 's written by farmers, written by fishermen, written by prophets and preachers and uh, just uh doctors you know medical doctors and so on amazing book that in uh, the the astounding thing is that with this kind of variety with this kind of uh, different books, different times, different places. You know, three different languages, and all these different people. Uh, there is this, this nothing short of miraculous, really. This, this harmony, this uh, consistency of vision about ultimate things, about about the Creator, about uh, the being uh, th- who created the universe and the world around us, this world we live in, and created us as humanity um there's this this it's astounding rem- the consistency now i could uh, it, and it deals uh, it deals with h- hundreds of controversial complex different issues and it re- it deals with them with again with that same consistency with that same remarkable harmony of outlook and perception that that is astounding uh, over that pe- period of time it I mean, I could take a group of people, uh, San Antonians, and here we're here, we're Texans, we're Americans, we're uh, believers from different... uh, Even from the same congregation, we could take uh, 50, 100 people, sit them down and and, uh, ask questions, and we would not get that kind of harmony. We would get all kinds of different perceptions, different kind of opinions and thoughts and ideas, and uh, we wouldn't get anything like that. But here, in this amazing book, it's one of the evidences that we have that this book is uh, divinely sourced. It, it comes to us n- not just simply a, a book of history and a, bu- a book of uh, um, re- a reliable book from all of these centuries past, and we can establish that through the normal, just the Normal means of of historicity that, that historians use to to establish the 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 reliability and the viability and the accuracy of any document from ancient history, uh, the Iliad and uh, you know by uh, well so many other some of the great documents we have from the past uh, hundreds of years ago and so on the the Iliad and the Odyssey for example they're much younger actually than the Bible, and yet we have. Uh, far less reliability, far fewer copies. And you would think, well, there's so many copies of the Bible that that would be a a problem. And in actuality, the number of copies of the scriptures from all these different eras is one of the things that also lends greater reliability, greater confidence in the scriptural, in the text that we have today from this book, the Bible. And so because you can you can Trial and not trial and error, but you can test them. In other words, from all these different errors, that makes there's so many back checks, so many ways you can go back and check and check and check and check and see has it changed? Has something changed? Do do we see evidence of changes in the text and so on? And and there are isolated cases, and we have to figure them out and walk and see what they uh, what they're caused for by and for what the error was. But as you do that, you're going to find this book has. All the markings of total, absolute reliability, accuracy, um, nothing, uh, nothing basic and crucial and vital to the biblical uh, message, to the biblical uh, narrative is is deeply affected at all. Uh, most of the things that we have difficulties with are, are just word changes and word uh adaptations over time as language changes nothing nothing basic about the the biblical message is ever ever put in doubt it's just an astounding book we have folks and i tell you that tonight as we start the bible life here to just give you that 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 confidence in that sense that we you know we have a message here we have god himself the creator has stepped into time and space and has acted he has spoken he has involved himself in the affairs of men and, and, and women and men and nations and people groups and families and couples. And, and we see his involvement and, and he has given instructions and guidelines and uh, for us to live and for us to uh, prosper and to know him. Ultimately, that redemptive message is is the the scarlet thread that weaves its way through the entire tapestry the the entire message of the bible is that god is calling himself for himself a people calling out of the human race a people for himself uh, those that love him those that respond to him who desire him and we have plenty of information to say this is it god has spoken we can have a confident secure relationship with the creator of the universe this uh this Father, Son, Spirit, this this uh, one God, who, but three separate pe- uh, persons that a divine personage is with all the attributes of divinity and all the attributes of personhood, each one of them uh, as we see them in Scripture, but there's a harmony and a oneness to their relationship, a perfect harmony and oneness that is so beautiful and in, in between the we've come to know the name's father son holy spirit given to us by the messiah himself uh, ultimately there were some mentioned those terms were used earlier in scripture but jesus is the one who kind of formalized uh, this that arrangement the the father the son the spirit for us and un- and we don't you know these names for different names we have for God. They're not defining names. They're not. They don't limit God anyway. In fact, uh, the, <laughs> God would be beyond our definition and our, our limitations. But, but the idea is that God has given us these names, probably because they relate to humanity on such a basic level. Uh, um, people from all races, all languages, all cultures, all histories and traditions, and so on those those are terms that relate to human beings and, and connect with us in terms of inviting us into a relationship a a a, a um mm, a, a harmonious and 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 uh oneness relationship. The oneness relationship that exists in the Godhead between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. We are being brought into that oneness relationship. The people of God all over planet Earth. And uh, I think of that, uh, of course, there was a physical people, a, a Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their descendants that we call Israel. But essentially my I, I see very clearly we, we are they were a symbol of, they were a type of, they were Uh, uh, a picture of the idea of God dealing with his people. We are all now spiritual Israel. We always have been. It's not replacement theology. Uh, God has always dealt with the whole universe, with the whole human race, and maybe beyond what we know of right here, but God has always dealt with all of humanity, every language, every tribe, every every culture group. It's never been about just one uh, ethnic group ever, and Jacob helps make that clear for us as well. So uh, it's an astounding book we have. We make our way through it every year. We're coming now to the close of yet another year, another uh, pilgrimage, another journey through the Bible from Genesis all the way to the maps, as we often say, back to the book of Revelation. The Revelation is coming up pretty soon, actually. We'll be making our way into that uh, just as we close the year, just in time for Halloween. <laughs> I have always thought that's a little clever on our part, making um, it, because our reading of the Bible is matched up to our calendar. Here in the u s our traditional uh the societal calendar Christmas and Easter and uh national day of prayer and and uh thanksgiving and and so on and we come to Halloween and we 're reading the book of the revelation you know halloween we, you get you, the idea of uh scarecrows and i don 't know spiritual beings and ghosts and that sort of thing uh, that come along with that particular uh time of the year many uh are changing now to Hallelujah Fest and celebrations of that sort of nature, but uh, the point is, is that here we're at that time we're going to be reading the book of the Revelation, the last book of the Bible, talking about uh, real spiritual beings, spiritual beings that really do exist, uh, angels, and we talk about the the Spirit of God moving, we what God is doing on planet Earth, and this amazing book of the Revelation. We'll get to that in and, and uh, study it as well but right now this week we're in, it, it, we've really got almost uh it seems like we're all over the map as you might say this week as we read our reading schedule called for us to be in the psalms uh psalm 128 it was often sung on a certain occasion that's very important to every culture in the world what occasion was it i'll give you that question as we open up the program our phone number is 210-340-9585, 210-340-9585. And you can call in and answer some of these questions or take a shot at answering them. We'd be glad to hear from you. And uh, maybe you have another thought another uh, idea about these scriptures, what they've meant to your life, something that you've learned and and experienced from your involvement with the scriptures. We'd love to hear from you. 210-340-9585. 85. Now, Psalm 128 was read. We was often sung on a certain occasion in the ju- Jewish culture. What uh, occasion was it? And then from the book of Proverbs, we read uh, num- cha- Proverbs number 28 and 29. And I'm going to read you a proverb, and you fill in the blank uh, already. Here we go. Psalm 28, verse 6. This is just a real good example. Now, the book, the Proverbs cover every theme this is one of those that talks about the the uh, the complexity of, of life and the different themes of life. They are. Um, uh, so many of them are listed in the Proverbs. And yet there's this, again this harmony, uh, everything from finances to human sexuality to family life and and so on. And it's all there. Now, Proverbs 28, six says it is better to be blank and honest than rich and rich. And crooked. (laughs) Now, I've made it a little easy, I think. But if you know the answer to that proverb, what is the missing word? It is better to be blank and honest than to be rich and crooked. All right, there you go. You have uh, that uh, that question out there. And then we finished up the book of Daniel, this astounding book uh, from the Old Testament. This this man. Uh, Led, uh, was a spiritual leader for about five different dynasties over many decades of time, and God used him in such an astounding way. Uh, The book of Daniel is uh, on our, we read chapters 10 through 12, we finished it up. And so uh, we're going to look at those chapters tonight and maybe a little more. Jacob is going to join us in just a bit. He's on the road this weekend, but he's going to give us a call and, and be a part of our discussions as well. Uh, I know you all are glad to hear that. He's always, He always lends such uh, depth to our consideration of the scriptures. And then we move now to, the, to what was called the New Testament. Uh, the scriptures, uh, Jacob calls the the Christian documents, but these aren't. We also love and respect and believe that God has spoken in the Hebrew scriptures, all right, as well, the Old Testament. But uh, these are dealing with the Messiah, Jesus. Uh, uh, Yeshua Hamashua. The, the, the Messiah has come in the uh, first four books of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are uh, the accounts, different accounts, portraits of the life of Messiah and the time he spent here on earth with three to three and a half years of his public ministry. And then you get into the uh, books of history and so on from the New Testament, which, which talk about the, the beginning of the the, the people of God, the reshaping as it is ta- the gospel, the good news of God's love and forgiveness and his a, his re- a redemptive plan uh, explode out into the Gentile world in the big, big, huge way. It was always there as part of the mandate of the people of Israel, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, to take the good news in a limited way they did. But under Messiah, it exploded into uh, the Gentile world. So they, we're going to look at the books of James, uh, small books at the end of the New Testament, the book of James, which is considered perhaps one of the more Jewish uh, in, in a strong sense. Now, all of the books of the New Testament were written by Jews. Jesus himself, a, a practicing, committed, devoted Jewish man. Uh, so you can't remove the Jewishness from them. But James is considered in some ways the more Jewish of the authors uh, of these Epistles at the end of the book. And then we're going to read First and Second Peter, these two letters that the Apostle Peter wrote to uh, congregations and peoples there in the first century. And then we're going to read 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, 3, three small letters that the Apostle John wrote uh, to others. Now, he also was the author of the book of the Revelation that we'll read in a, uh, just a couple of weeks. But we're going to read 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And finally, we're going to end up with an, uh, uh, another of the half brothers of uh Yeshua the half brother of Jesus he was a one of the of the children of Mary and uh Mary and Joseph James and Jude fit in that category and Jude um is another half brother of the Messiah and they both now from immediate family uh, give a book and give their witness and their charge to the early churches, the early followers of Christ, and to us as we have their letter uh, over the centuries. So those are our books tonight. We hope that you will j- uh, join with us. I put out a couple of questions early from the Psalms and the Proverbs. I'll give you some questions from James and and uh, Peter and First and Second and Third John and so on. We'll get to those in just a moment. I want to rush on now though quickly to find out uh, this is. Larry, I believe, on the line, and I want to bring him on up and put him on the air. Hi, Larry. How are you tonight?
3: If I was doing any better, I'd sell tickets. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I'd buy one, too. i tell you the truth. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds intriguing. Well, I'm glad to talk with you. How's everything going in your part of the world? And and uh, what's on your mind tonight?
3: i tell you, what's on my mind is uh, the timing of the rapture. Yes. I have been told all my life that it's going to, that we're going to be raptured, that Christians are going to be raptured before the tribulation. And as I read the Bible and as I hear Jesus Christ say four times that on the last day he's going to raise the dead in Christ,
0: that's the rapture. It uh, It sounds like the rapture to me. That really does. I get you. Well, hey, well, one more thing.
3: In Corinthians fifteen fifty one and fifty two, uh-huh. it is clearly oh, clearly no. states that the rapture occurs at the seventh trump,
0: oh, which which are referred to in Revelation as well the the trumpets. Uh, okay, chapter fifteen verse fifty one. Yeah, uh, well, there's no fifteen. Fi- oh, yeah, there is. Hang on. I, I'm sorry, you're right. Chapter fifteen deals with uh, the last times and the last. Uh, let me get to it. I'm, I'm rushing over there, Larry, to take a peek at it myself, 1551. It, it says, but, le- but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye when the last trumpet is blown, as you mentioned, uh, as the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and we are, who are living will be also transformed for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. A beautiful, beautiful passage there in Chapter 15. And if we relate those trumpets to the trumpet messages of the book of the Revelation, uh, because they have these seven trumpets and so is that what you're referring to, the last trumpet? Yes, sir. Okay.
3: Did you know that John Darby in 1830 is the first one to make it popular? About a, a pre-tribulation
0: rapture? No, I, I, you know, I've read that before, Larry. But I, it's one of those factoids that kind of escape me. There's so many uh, with the book like that. But I, I, I get you, I really do. And I'll be honest with you. You know what I've done with the end times? I, I know that. W- and frankly, let me say, I'll just say this, Larry. I, I think if God wanted to nail it down and make it crystal clear exactly when things are going to wind up. I bet he could do it. I bet he could just make it so clear that we would all look and say, well, clearly it's obvious this. Uh, In some ways, I'm not sure God wanted us to know the – well, it's clear he didn't want us to know the day and the hour. For sure, it it actually says that. But, you know, we'd sit around on mountaintops waiting for it to happen instead of being busy doing what God wants us to do. I've kind of done that with the end times. I I believe it's there, and I believe God's going to wrap it up, and he's going to end time, and he's going to return, and he's going – yeah, what do they call panthe uh, pan uh, I've forgotten the name of the everything's going to pan out in the end but you know no matter what view you take of the end times, let me ask you Larry what is what is the number one lesson we take from I- any of the biblical teaching about the end times? what's the number one takeaway application?
3: If you receive Jesus Christ you will be raised at the last day.
0: And if you are a believer as a follower of Jesus Christ and, and you've been redeemed and know him, what are we supposed to be doing?
3: Uh, we're supposed to be gathering. Uh, we're supposed to be doing the best we can to recruit other Christians.
0: Yeah, live for him, glorify him with our life, and, and share the good news. and. And be busy helping to fulfill the Great Commission and getting people all over the world to know the Lord. And right here, our neighbors and so on. So in other words, what I'm trying to say is that no matter what view you take of the old, of the end times, the takeaway is the same, the same thing. Don't sit around your hands. Don't go on the mountaintop and sit and look and gazing at the sky. You know, be busy. Be busy about what God has called us to do. And uh, so I kind of focus on the busyness and get busy and stay doing what we're supposed to do. I do have my view, and it kind of sounds like it goes along quite a bit with what you're saying. Uh, I do have my view of things, but on the other hand, I'm I'm going to be perfectly willing to say, okay, I missed it by a little bit. I didn't have quite the right. It's going to turn out a little differently than I thought, but I kind of agree with you. I have to admit, in my older age, in my, my last ten or fifteen years, my wife and I both have made a pretty good exploration of the theme, and we've kind of come up to that idea too—that uh, you know, it's—it's it's, that it's not this this uh, well laid just, out one thing. I'm after just the other.
3: to say this. Go ahead. Go ahead, Larry. What did you? The, the Antichrist is going to be the most uh dynamic uh con man that ever hit the face of this earth he's going to have powers far. Uh, he's going to be able to talk people uh into doing things much more than than hitler and he's going to have the entire uh, demonic uh, angels at his beck and call
0: that's what the book says
3: and we're not being prepared for it. We're being told we're going to be out of here. Yeah. And we're going to go through the tribulation.
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, I, Larry, I, I'm going to go with you. I'm I'm willing to take that. That's kind of the view I'm getting myself. But, again, the same old takeaway is be busy and, and, as you say, be alert. That's why the Bible Live is here. We Keep your eye on this old book, folks. I mean, it doesn't matter how attractive and how charismatic whatever leader comes up. And we're kind of being prepared. Not only we're we not being prepared for this uh, deceptive being called the Antichrist. We're we're kind of putting getting into the modal area of being what they call sheeple. You know, we just follow along. We anybody anything say anybody anything anybody says, we just go along. And we just kind of we're dividing our camps, and, all, and we're not. We're not. Yeah, there is a warning there about the deceptiveness of uh satan himself the evil one and then this this uh charismatic leader that satan is going to use in those times to deceive and he said you know that many will be deceived even among the elect even among believers so many will follow after so it's a good word you have for us tonight we'll look at that more deeply when we get to the book of the revelation here in just a few weeks Larry I should sure appreciate you calling in Can I tell you how I've been busy? Tell me. Tell me. I'd love to hear it. It's taken me 17
3: years to do it, but I have. Go ahead. I have distributed 41,000 letters that I wrote, double sided letters, or come to Jesus letters. uh, And the way I distributed them.
0: Without any
3: money, I'm poor as a church mouse. The way I distributed them <laughs> is any doctor's office or barber shop or any place where there's magazines, including drug stores and department stores, my letters get stuck in those magazines.
0: That is so wonderful, my friend. Keep it up. Stay with that's what we ought to be doing joyfully sharing the message we'll be right back folks here on the bible Live, dr stan shelton with offices at loop 410 and broadway has taken care of the dollar family that's suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years suzanne tell the folks about our dentist
2: The United States recently witnessed a tragic example of hypocrisy in high office on the question of the sanctity of human life. Pennsylvania Republican Congressman Tim Murphy has a voting pattern of defending the sanctity of human life, and only lately was amongst those who voted to ban abortion after 20 weeks. However, court proceedings revealed that when Congressman Murphy discovered that his mistress may be expecting a child, he repeatedly suggested that she abort the unborn baby. The political pressure became increasingly heavy after the revelation, Initially, Representative Murphy announced that he would retire at the end of his term. Subsequently, he told Speaker of the House Paul Ryan that he would resign effective October the 21st. This kind of hypocrisy at this level on the question of the sanctity of human life is not only immoral, it's downright deadly. Day by day, vote by vote, headline by headline, America's soul on the question of the dignity and sanctity of human life is becoming more apparent. I'm Albert Mohler. If you lease office,
5: retail, or warehouse space for your business, the last thing you want to do is overpay the landlord. But it happens every day. Hi, I'm Scott McMurray and president of Bottom Line Realty Advisors. We work with business people who want an effective strategy for their next real estate decision. Whether leasing or buying, it affects your bottom line. Your landlord has representation and you should too. Even if you're a good tenant with no plans to move at all, you are the most vulnerable to getting a really bad deal. We only represent our clients, never landlords, so we have no conflict of interest. We stay on your side. Call me, Scott McMurray at 210-535-7800, and we'll negotiate from a position of strength. BottomLineRealtyAdvisors.com. Advisors.com.
6: Bottomline Realty Advisors. We get the
4: landlord off your bottom line.
2: Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There, you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com.
6: Is the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar.
0: And we are back. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate you being here for the Bible Live this beautiful, beautiful evening. We're glad to be uh, on the air every weekend talking about the book, working our way, discussing every book of the Bible. And tonight we've come down in our reading uh, program. we have down to the book of Daniel. We're finishing it up. And then we're jumping over into the New Testament where we pick up there. Uh, We just finished with the book of the Hebrews, the book of Hebrews toward the end of the New Testament. Now we're going into those little letters that were written at the end of the New Testament. James 1st, 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and the little book of Jude right before we get to the book of the Revelation, which we'll read in just a couple of weeks. So we're going to be discussing those, so we've taken some calls here real quick as we began the program. George is on the line and wanted to give us a thought as well. George, I'm sure glad to visit with you tonight. Thanks for calling in.
1: You too. Uh, can you hear me?
0: Yes, I hear you loud and clear, and all of South Texas can hear you as well, George. Appreciate you doing <laughs>
1: All right. Well, I uh, I was recently doing a personal Bible study on how the Old Testament laws carry over into the New Testament, or, you know, if if they all do. If,
0: they, if and how, yeah.
1: Good. Yeah. And uh, it, it's weird. I'm kind of confused, because uh, there's a few areas of the law that, I mean, there seems to be discrepancies on uh, between what I was taught. Was required of uh, Christians uh-huh. and, belie- and believers in uh, Jesus, the yes. Messiah, and uh, what the book actually seems to say. And I'm kind of stumped here, so wondering if I could
0: uh, Give me a Ask yeah. you about them? Yeah. yeah, yeah, sure. And paint paint a picture of what you're what you're seeing there. What
1: you yeah, well. Yeah, you're getting... uh, let me start with the the smallest uh, section. Uh, apparently, it seems like Paul kept the Old Testament calendar and the the holy days. Yes. Yeah. Like in-
0: now, uh, uh, taking a step at a time like that. Remember, Paul is mm-hmm. a devoted, committed, practicing Jewish person, and uh, and so yeah, he did. He kept uh, the, the 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 festival days of the Hebrew scriptures for the people of Israel and, and with, you know within within the boundaries there, physical boundaries of Israel. He kept those. Mm-hmm. He he took that vow. That it, remember when he came back to Jerusalem after his, I think it's his third missionary yeah. journey, and so on. Yeah,
1: yeah. Acts eighteen when he, when he cuts his hair. Yeah, that's right. You you got it right. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I guess that's what we call the um, what is that called the the kind of vow uh, the 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 um, Nazirite, right? The, yeah, the Nazirite vow. Yeah.
2: Good. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Go ahead. Uh-huh. Uh
1: huh. Well, so that's that you bring up a good point because he was a Jew or, or an Israelite uh-huh. by blood I'm not and so I'm kind of wondering what exactly is the uh you know what exactly god requires of me to uh please him I know I can't earn my salvation by doing uh good works but I know that Jesus said that if I love him I'll do what he commands yes. so I'm I'm wondering what the uh the commands of god for a gentile like me are
0: yes it is an excellent question, and it has caused a pretty good amount of confusion, particularly in our era. Uh, the, the Jewish laws, the, the laws that were given by Moses to the Hebrew people for, to guide them in their culture, their tradition, their calendar, the calendar you talked about, uh, mm-hmm. is, is uh, written for them. They had a unique calling, this particular people group did. Uh, it wasn't like they're the only ones saved on planet Earth, but they were going to be used as a vehicle, as a vessel. God was going to use them through the centuries, actually, as a uh, a witness to the true and living God, that the, the hero Israel, the Lord your God, is one. And so they had a unique role that they filled in the redemptive plan of God, in a, 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 revel- a revelatory role. They were the ones who worshipped uh, the monotheism, and they held up the... That they sustained that during all these decades and, and centuries surrounded by uh, uh, idolatry and surrounded by a polytheism and so on. They had to hold on and be faithful. Now, they are a picture of God's uh, dealings with all the people of God, uh, Gentile. Now, even in the Old Testament, the Gentiles were, there were Gentile believers, Gentile converts and so on. And Jacob is excellent on this as well, George. Uh, there was. It was never a mandate that for the Gentiles. Uh, that was never. They. When you convert to Judaism, you came into Judaism under the leadership of the one that brought you in. But Gentiles were not. And of course, Jesus and Paul and the New Testament others. They make it clear that Gentile. We are not obligated. That was what Acts chapter 15 was about. Was there was a big discourse of what? Now do these Gentiles have to start? Living on, you know, with the laws, you know, behavioral laws and the ceremonial laws and and ritual laws of the Hebrew scriptures of the Hebrew people, and and the answer was no. Acts chapter fifteen is key to that. One of the first count, the first council uh, right. of the churches, and so for us, we are brought into the Israel. We are. We are now in. We're part of the redemptive people of God, redeemed people of God. We're part of Israel. We've been brought in by Yeshua, so we are. We are from the tribe of Judah as Gentile believers. Uh, we are not under the mandate to keep the uh, the laws. It doesn't mean that we can't. And if there are those that are helpful and encouraging and they help us, it doesn't mean we cannot. But we're not under a mandate to do that, and, and we're freed from that. Uh, in that sense. Now, the whole idea, and I want to mention one other thing, I'll try to be, I'm trying to be pretty quick here uh, so I don't take up too much of your time. I want you to respond as well, is that the e- even the people of Israel, it was never a matter of salvation. Jacob makes this clear to us from the J- Jewish point of view that never was there an idea that they got to heaven by keeping the commandments. You know, they, they don't earn their way to salvation. Even uh, that was never correct and a right understanding. It was never actually genuinely taught uh, uh, right. and rightly taught. Uh, it was always about how we, as God's, how we're supposed to live here as God's people. How we treat others and so on. And so, uh, there are a great number of those mandates that, that as God's people, we are, even as Gentiles. We admire, we respect, we want them, and God is busy writing his laws on our hearts now. It's not a matter of us, we're responding to an outward expression of, you know, the Ten Commandments and so on. It's now God is writing the Ten Commandments on our heart, which is a good indicator that, you know, it's not like God's laws are passe now, not, not like God's laws are no, matter, no longer valid or important. They're even more important to us as God's people because we want them a desire to live as God wants us to live and we know that God is writing his laws on our hearts. Uh, so, it, you know, if he's taking the time to do that as part of the redemptive plan, we know that it's not like the law is all of a sudden unimportant to God. I think that's one of the great truths that Jacob us, helps us to understand uh, from the scriptures as well. I, I, I've i always really appreciated that. It's helped make sense of a lot of things for me. Now, is that generally help at all, or, or am I just kind of rattling here? <laughs> Roaming around,
1: well, kind of, and then kind of, it leaves me a little uh, confused. Let me let me tell you why I'm still a little bit confused. Sure, I, I've always been taught in like every church that I've ever gone to, and you know, Sunday school, um, that there's this. They call it a tripartite distinction of yeah. the law of Moses. That okay. the, the there's like moral. Moral. Yeah, moral, civil, and ceremonial yeah, is yeah. the three categories they place them in usually. Say and them I them was them always again. taught. Would you
0: mind saying them, uh, say them again? I would.
1: Yeah, I uh, it's it's the moral laws, the civil laws, and the ceremonial laws.
0: Sometimes I've heard ceremonial called ritual or but, but ceremonial. Right. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah. Same thing. Go ahead. I guess. And uh, I was always taught that uh, it's really just the moral laws that uh, Christians, and especially Gentile Christians like myself, uh, need to keep. Um, so, you, you know... I've heard that as well. And so that brings up another area of the law where I, I find what appears to be discrepancies of the list of things Gentiles and Christians do or do not need to keep. Tell me some um,
0: of those. Tell me some of those. If you don't mind, if you
1: have them at hand, you can mention yeah, them. Yeah, I actually did have them written down here. Uh-huh. Um, well, first of all, let me ask: Is there? A, I mean, is this a family show or more of an adult uh, show?
0: Well, it, it's family, but uh, we're we're talking about the scriptures. It so just be uh, be a little delicate, and that's
1: okay. Uh-huh. Well, that's okay. Um, well, so. <clears throat> <laughs> well, I'll have to come back to that section later then. It's it <laughs> funny,
0: though, the Bible talks. In, there aren't many areas of life that the Bible doesn't speak to and speak about. So you're exactly mm-hmm. right. Some of those are a little sensitive, I guess. for the right.
1: well, well, I can still bring up uh, the issue of clean and unclean meats. Sure. Now, you mentioned uh, Acts 15, the Council of Jerusalem. Yes. And uh, <clears> that verse. And the verses around it—that's the part where it says, "Okay, tell the tell the Gentiles that for now, don't trouble them with anything except for these these rules. Don't eat food polluted by idols. Don't do sexual immorality. Don't eat strangled animals or eat blood." Right. And uh, but then, if you look at the next verse, it says, "For the the law of Moses has been taught since since." ancient times in synagogues um, everywhere. And it seems to be saying, because that those four rules don't even cover all things that we know are clearly said, I and mean, it doesn't say anything about murder or theft or uh, greed, you know, stuff like that. Yes, uh-huh. So, I mean, that can't be the entire list of uh, things that the Gentiles need to obey. And then it says the law is taught in synagogues all over the place since ancient times. It's almost as if they were trying to say that, as these new Gentile converts keep going to the synagogue on the Sabbath, they're going to learn more about the law of Moses and they'll adopt it as they learn.
0: Yes, it seems to be that way, and there was that did take place in a kind of a natural way over the era and over the centuries. Now, what these are alluding to should these laws of. Uh, this is these laws went further back even than just Moses. This was an expression of the Noahic, the Noaic laws uh, right. from even before Moses, in fact. And so these were the generally accepted uh, kind of moral prescriptions from people over the centuries, even from before. And I, it's interesting you, you talk bring up. We well, talk a little bit about the council because. This was James, the half-brother of Jesus, who is leader now of the mm-hmm. uh, believers there in Jerusalem, the, the church there, as it was forming and growing and expanding. And, and, we, and we, of course, read uh, the, in our reading schedule, we read the book of James this week as well, which we're going to look at in a moment. But uh, the same person, this is James now, helping and leading in the church, the congregation there in Jerusalem. And, and the reference there, I think, goes back even to the Noahic laws, and th- that's what they're saying is that these things have been taught. These are generally known from the people of God for centuries and centuries. Uh, that you know, and we're taking these fundamental precepts and, and concepts that we're, we will ask our, our Gentile brethren to uh, respectfully and for, for harmony and oneness in the, in, among the people of God to uh, live under. But they don't. They're not under the mandate of all the. Uh, different mandates and laws that the Hebrew Scriptures give us. Uh, I think that is about the best I can speak to it, George. I I think you're on to something, though. I, th- there is a mixture. And frankly, today's, I don't know if you've noticed it, I, it seems to me that I have noticed a, a general, I don't know if it would come up to a, a huge movement or a massive movement yet, but there seems to be a turning. Uh, I notice a lot of congregations now, uh you know, Pentecost, Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, and so a lot of it are giving attention to the, some of these special dates, even that, that the people of God celebrate and mark. And uh, I, I, there seems to be a movement among believers to kind of go back and pick up on some of the more helpful aspects that help us and nurture us and build us and encourage us in our faith. Um, I know I'm not answering as well as I, I, I ought. I guess I'm kind of feeling the mandate of time here, but you know, mm-hmm. Jacob is on the other line. He's going. He's calling in now from. He's just traveling back to San Antonio, and he's on the other line with us. I'm going to ask him that too. He has some insights about that that I that might be helpful to you. Uh, okay. Do you, I don't know if you've ever met uh, my friend Jacob? He calls it. We, we're usually on together. He's traveling this weekend, but uh, you know, Jewish raised raised in the scriptures and so on. He helps us a lot to understand that the Hebrew perspective of these different passages, and I'm going to tell him about your question. He's probably been listening anyway, But and if he says something that you want to ask more about, don't hesitate to call back, all right? We'd love to hear from you, George. That'll be fine. All right. All right? Thank you a lot for All talking. right. Thank you. And, and again, yeah. we'd love to hear from you again. If, you, if it, it's not satisfying or if you have a further question, I'd like to have you talk with Jacob directly. All right? Okay. Thank you Good to talk to you, friend. Well, we are there. Um, what line did you say Jacob is on? I got him. Let's bring him up here and see if I can get us talking with our friend Jacob on the line. Hi, Jacob. Hey, hello there. I was calling in
4: the Bible. Live. I heard the guy, Sophie, can answer all the questions.
0: Well, we're giving it a shot, but uh, there's a question we just had that was. Did you hear the last caller by any chance? Uh,
4: I I only heard part of it. I I didn't hear the question, but I I got the gist of it from your conversation. Uh,
0: George was saying that he was wondering what part of the scriptures, and he's. He was telling you and I have talked about this many times. I said that. Uh, we Gentile believers uh, in our generation, and I guess in the last 50, to, I don't know, maybe even 100 years. I'm not that old, but I'm just saying we've kind of gotten the idea that the, the laws of Moses, the Torah, uh, there were there were ceremonial or ritual laws, there were civil laws that mandated and governed the people, the way they lived and organized themselves uh, in the land, in in the promised land, and then there were moral laws that, and so on. And he said, well, you know, I've kind of gotten the idea over the years that. We as believers, as Gentiles, we're you know we're, we we grab hold of the moral laws, and those are important to us, and so on. But but we're not under the mandate to follow necessarily the ceremonial laws, as I call sometimes the ritual laws, uh, or, or the civil laws that that govern them as a nation, as a, kind of their constitution. And so I wanted you to be able to speak to that a little bit for George, uh, and because uh, you. have To me, you've helped clear that quite a bit, and i tried to express what I've kind of learned from you and seen from the Scriptures here myself, but maybe you could speak to it as well. So that's one thing, and the other thing is I have another caller on the line, and I wonder if you could just join right on in the conversation and stay with us now. Yeah, I can. Yes, sir. Let me bring Larry up and uh, see if we can talk to him together. Hi, Larry. How are you tonight? Are you back on the air with us, Larry? I hope we have Larry on the line. I, I know I hit the button, Larry. I think maybe we lost Larry. I'm guessing, or, or is he back on number one? Let me try that. Larry, are you with us? Yes. I think I just cut off Jacob, didn't I? Ah. Uh, well, that's his
3: tough luck and and my good luck.
0: Your good luck. Well, go for it, Larry. He, he, I know he is listening and he'll call back. But go ahead and, and uh, tell what was on your mind. There is. I know he's- yeah I tell
3: you Sophie what I would like more than anything in the world would be to have the opportunity to debate a pre-tribulation uh, a pre-tribulation rapture uh, minister uh, with a large crowd.
0: okay <laughs> That would be exciting and it wouldn't be the first time but um, I know it's there're there just so many. So many and i and I wonder about that i 'm a little alarmed about the fact that we there's all these many theories and, and and so on and and so many talk with such great authority. you know they write great books and it 's all meant. here we see Iran and here we see China and it, it kind of lines up and 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 I really don 't have a problem with them in a sense. I go to their passages, I read the scriptures, I look at them and i and i and i, I 'm guessing i 'm kind of giving them the benefit of a good heart and a but in the end I, i'm not so sure we're supposed to be so obsessed with trying to figure out exactly how and when everything's going to unfold it seems to me pretty clear that the god told us that it's going to wind up so that we know it is going to wind up it's not a circle that goes on forever it's going to there's going to be time. there's going to be an end of history as we know it god will come and wrap it up and and, and He'll do it in his perfect time and good time. And I, I'm not but so if concerned.
3: he clearly says four times he's going to raise the dead in Christ on the last, on day, the last day, that cannot be before the tribulation.
0: <laughs> I know. I get it. <laughs> I really do. And I guess it's important in the sense that you mentioned that not just, you know, kind of having all the ducks in a row and everything, uh, knowing everything clearly what's going to happen, but the whole idea of of being prepared being ready for a deception, a, a, a deceptive and uh, leader, charismatic leader that is predicted and prophesied that we should be alert to uh, to uh, be grounded, firmly grounded in God's word and in, in, about himself and about his redemptive plan so that we're not deceived and we don't go off following uh, other voices and get distracted. From the work that we should, you know, that we should be about as God's people. I I think there's something to what you're saying there. That's one reason that we should. But you don't really. I think you can take on that mandate and understand that priority. Kind of, no matter what your end view might be, don't be distracted by trying to figure out the day and the hour and how everything's going to wind out. But. But get you know be busy, and I love what you said about your forty. You said forty thousand, forty-one thousand letters. I'm astounded, Larry. Forty-one thousand, yes, sir. Amazing, and I praise God for it, and I thank you, and I admire you, and I. It's well done, brother. That encourages me to to keep on uh, working and laboring as well. And I hope it encourages our listeners that we're to be busy, not trying to figure out you know when every how everything's going to wind out, which.
3: I've been thrown out of a lot of good places, though.
0: <laughs> well, so was Paul, and so was Jesus. So and, uh, we're, we're in good company. So, uh, hey, hey yeah. Sophie,
3: one more thing. Sure. How is it that an adulterer can't be a head honcho in the in the church, but an avowed, practicing homosexual can? How in the world? How did they get that twisted up?
0: You're asking me a question that goes far beyond my understanding of, of even uh, not only the Bible, but uh, of human logic. It just doesn't make sense. Uh, I, appreci- I, I appreciate the, uh, the little uh, humor there. I thought you were going to say an adulterer could be uh, head of a church, but but that an adulterer became the king of Israel, you know, like David. Oh, yeah. So that's, uh, but, okay, we won't go there. <laughs> I appreciate your calling. I really do. And I'm going to bring Jacob up and I I want him to speak to this and to the other theme that we've talked about tonight. And of course, we'll get into our books of James and Peter and John as well as we. uh, Is there
3: any way I could talk to you off the air about maybe you helping me get my dream as as being able to debate someone
0: Get, get in touch with me. Go to Soapy Dollar. Do you have an email? And you, yes. SoapyDollar at Gmail or Soapy at The Bible Live. Put the word the in there, The Bible Live. You can, oh, hold on a Soapy okay. SoapyDollar at Gmail.com. At Gmail.com. Or Soapy at The Bible Live, the name of the program here. And uh, if you get in touch, give me your cell number, your number there. I'll call. We'll talk. We'll visit. I- I'd love to see if we can help. Let's see what happens. Oh, man, where you been all my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll all right. Soon. I'm going to send you the email right now. Okay, brother. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Bye now. Bye. Good to hear from Larry tonight. I appreciate it. It's a couple of really good questions that we're going to look at tonight. I'm going to bring Jacob back up. And I thought Jacob... I, I'm sorry I uh, dropped you a while ago. It wasn't on purpose. Oh, I, it's
4: okay. I, you keep hanging out. Man, it won't do no good. I'll just call back.
0: Well, I thought I'd put you on uh, lock you. That's what I did <laughs> last time as well. But uh, So i got you unlocked now so folks can call in if they'd like and, uh, and join with us. But would you speak to both of those issues? One was the one about to what degree do we as Gentile believers, to what degree, what manner, how do we... Uh, Acts 15, the council there in Jerusalem. uh, How are we to relate now to the the Torah, the the laws that God gave to the people of Israel as to how they're to live and behave and comport themselves as God's people on planet Earth? Uh, Give us some guidance and some thought that you've gleaned and given to us. Uh, To me, it's always kind of made sense to me, and we can visit with a, a little bit about it. And then we'll talk about Larry's idea about end times in just a moment as well. Can you do
4: that? Okay, sure. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, since you mentioned Acts fifteen, uh, that's that uh, the council that was Paul was at, and James was leading the council. Correct?
0: Yes, right, exactly. Yeah. And okay, I, and you know, I mentioned to, he read to us that passage about. Uh, strangled blood and eat meat that's been strangled yes. and uh, sexual immorality. And so on. he mentioned that and traced that back in, in our versions. It says that the, the law of Moses here has been taught for generations and centuries. Mm-hmm. That's, and, and I mentioned the fact that that goes actually further back even. It goes to the Noahic laws exactly. And, exactly. That you talk yeah. to us and so on. But yeah. that is a question a lot of people wonder about is to what degree and what level, as Gentile believers now, uh, are we to fit and jump into that? And I, I you, you can speak to that with a. You know, I tried to kind of give it my best shot, but I think you can speak to it with a special kind of a view and authority as one who understands that from the Hebrew perspective. That I want you to talk about it. So I'll shut up. Yeah. yeah. About
4: that? <laughs> yeah sure. No. No. I, I thought I thought you did a great job actually because yeah, you actually said it because what's in Acts fifteen is as you said known as the noide laws. Uh-huh. And those actually come from Genesis, right. and uh, and the Jewish uh, historical idea was is that, uh, and that's why it says in those verses in the Acts fifteen twenty one twenty two it says, you know, from the time Moses has been read in every synagogue, and uh, and the reason for that is is that uh, the the uh, <clears throat> the non Jewish Gentile uh, person. Uh, they only had what was called the Noah laws. There are seven of those, and if you read closely, you'll find the seven mentioned in the Acts, of fi- Acts fifteen. But uh, that doesn't mean preclude anybody from choosing to follow the others. The other people can choose to follow them all, but at a minimum, right there in the New Testament, Acts fifteen, is the idea of that both are been brought forward from the book of Moses, actually in Genesis. And that was for the people that you know don't want to be Jewish, but they do have some basic laws given by God. And they are incorporated right there in the New Testament. And, of course, okay, that's the me famous book.
0: It says not eating food uh, uh, offered to idols. Uh, oh my goodness. That happens, it? And it says not eating food offered to idols uh, to avoid sexual immorality and... Uh, from eating meat of strangled animals and consuming blood. So mm-hmm. those are listed. We can talk about those a little further in a moment. I wonder, does that mean we can't have our steak rare? Uh, you know, I'm kind of <laughs> I'm a little humor there. But also I'm kind of wondering what does that actually mean to us? Maybe we can talk about that a little bit when we come back yeah. as well. All right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Got to take yeah. a break now. 340-9585, uh, area code 210 340 Ninety five eighty five we'll be right back, folks. Don't go away. Glorious,
6: shine so glorious
1: though I stumble, though I fall, you remain glorious towards your light. I
3: come run, I come
2: run into your arms. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
0: This is our last segment of The yep. Bible Live. It has flown by tonight. Jacob, I'm glad you're with us. I'm telling you, I miss you. Uh, it's it's kind of hard. I, I, I've, I've, I've kind of forgotten how dependent I am on you to give some of those unique perceptions that you give of our scriptures uh, that's why we pay you much, well, right?
4: Well, that's right, and, and you're very kind. But but the truth is, Sophie, you're very knowledgeable, and and I'm sure you do just fine as you did before uh, me. I'm sure you, you do just fine. fine. You're very knowledgeable, you're so, so much. thank that's, you, brother.
0: Uh, I appreciate that. I, Let's go and let yeah. you get, I want to get you busy talking about these questions. And uh, uh, one about the the Noaic laws. clause. I know that uh-huh. uh, uh, I think it's George is hanging on for that. And uh, Larry was asking then about the uh, end times type things. And so, yeah, go for it.
4: Right. Sure. Okay, well, anyway, uh, Acts 15 is, of course, the, the famous circumcision chapter. And, and I've heard some people say, oh, well, this means that the Gentiles do not have to be circumcised. Well, the truth is, in uh, the Mosaic Law, the Gentiles never had to be circumcised. What James is doing in Acts 15 is not changing the law of circumcision. He's upholding the Noahide laws. Uh-huh. And so, and so he's saying, uh, why should we, they don't have to do that because they're not, if they don't want to be Jewish, if they want to, or they want to follow all the commandments, that's fine. But they don't have to, but there's a bare minimum that's mentioned in, that Moses wrote in Genesis. And you'll actually find it in chapter 9 and 10 in Genesis. But it's actually, you've got to read the stories and discern those laws. But,
0: about and, and what anyway, to talk In terms of salvation, uh-huh. th- those weren't, th- they weren't given for that on that basis anyway. The commands of God, the commandments that the people of Israel have. As you've often mentioned, and I think, I hope I'm accurate here. They were not given necessarily as a way to get to heaven. That was never, it was the right. idea of how God's people should live how they should organize themselves and live in the promised land as a free people uh-huh. now delivered from slavery from Egypt and now as a picture of a, a, the redeemed people of God this was for them. it wasn't about salvation it was about how they're to live is, here. so so in that side, yeah that's correct it's not like yeah those, not those, it's the, yeah having the, having the laws to obey them. i
4: know there's a lot of, yeah there's a lot of, there's a lot of misunderstandings about that but you're 100% right those laws were never given and and never thought, the Jews never had the idea that that got them to heaven doing the laws. That's a very sad misunderstanding for anybody who might think that. What that's about is how to live on this earth as a human being, as a decent, godly human being. It's how to live on earth. In fact, there's an understanding that in heaven you won't even have to have the Torah because you... You're with God, so you don't need the Torah. The Torah is simply how to live in this earthly world. That's all it's about. It has nothing to do, as you say, with salvation or getting into the afterlife. Nothing whatsoever. It's about how God said you should live on earth as a good person, as a real human being.
0: In heaven, the job will will be completed as well, in that God will have written his laws on our hearts and our minds. It will be a part of our, our very part of our very being will be uh, transformed into the. we want what god wants and we mm-hmm. uh, we will complete and fulfill his laws not as mandated from outside some rules that we keep from outside but they will be part of our very being he is that's that work mm-hmm. of transformation in our life so it's not like the laws are nullified in any way they're still important to us a, a wonderful thing for they lead us to uh, to, to see a need for a Savior and a Redeemer and God's atonement and His mercy. But they're not unimportant, or God wouldn't be taking the time and effort to write them on our hearts and minds. So uh, its right. I, I can see how there's a little confusion, uh, some people, about how important are they and on what basis are they important.
4: Well, yeah, and the, and the language in Acts 15, uh, and like I said, it was actually 7, but it looks like on the surface is only 4. But see, what was going on with many times I know this sounds horrible, but as we know, they didn't have the internet and they didn't have refrigeration <laughs> so yes, so true. what they did is some people I know this sounds pretty horrible, but they had actually take an animal and they would maybe amputate a leg and then stitch up the hide and let the animal walk around on three legs and cook the leg.
0: oh my goodness
4: oh yeah, see that's and that's how they're doing it. but I mean not the Jews, but that's why those laws are implemented about. Uh, don't eat law, uh, animals that are strangled because, actually, there is a kosher way of killing a, an animal, and that's where the animal doesn't even experience the fright. But the strangulation actually, uh, and I've been told, actually it releases certain uh, chemicals into the blood because the animal realizes it's dying, which is, I guess, not good for humans. But, so all those laws are for just rig- basic living as a human, decent person. And that's what that's about. The, the circumcision that James is upholding, he said, as in uh, verses 20, 20 through 22, I guess, he says, look, this is the way the laws have always been. So those laws you're reading, as you said, in Acts 15, are actually, the. I could call any rabbi anywhere in the world, and I'd say, what are these no-eyed laws? And they would list actually what's in Acts 15 because that's from the time of Moses. Uh-huh. And I've often found it interesting, it's right there in the, the New Testament. And so uh, it's fascinating, because they, they were not required to get circumcised. They're free to if they want to, but they're not required. The difference is that uh, the Jews basically were required to do
0: it. Uh, in, in, within the. If I understand correctly, and tell me if I'm wrong here, within, particularly within the boundaries of Israel,
4: now, okay, there are 613 laws.
1: Uh-huh.
4: Yeah, the, the, technically 613. 6 plus 1 is 7 plus 3 is 10. So you can actually find that all those laws actually in variations or shades of the 10 commandments. Right. But yes, over half of those are only applicable in the land of Israel. That's true. Uh, there's only, and um, there's maybe uh, a third. Uh, third, that's really applicable to elsewhere in the world, like, you know, such as don't kill, don't commit adultery, you know, don't say bad things about your parents, that kind of stuff.
0: Let me ask you this: What about this? Um, and 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 Larry had this, uh, or George, I'm sorry, I think had this on in his question as well. Is this idea that, and I've seen this as well, that the laws of Moses have been they were divided into certain what they call ceremonial and moral and civil laws, you know for civic uh, functioning in in as the people and so on is there anything to that in terms of, from the Hebrew perspective
4: oh yeah that's a that's a fine question so Ben you know what I, I don't know we've actually brought that up before but that's actually a very good question because I've heard about the ceremonial the moral and I've also heard about uh, the ritual actually in Hebrew in the first five books in the Torah there is no word, ritual mentioned, there is no law, word mentioned for the ceremonial laws. In fact, there's only one law mentioned for all of them, and that's the word you probably heard of called mitzvah, right?
0: Yes, uh-huh.
4: I saying, and the reason is for this, because uh, as understood among the Jews for thousands of years, the hardest law is to... Honor your mother and father, because we all know that kids are, can be pretty rebellious sometimes. And But it, that law says, honor your mother and father that you may live long upon the land. That's supposed to be the hardest. But then the simplest one is, uh do not take the egg and the mother bird at the same time. Wave your hand and send the mother bird away when you take the egg, and that's the easiest. But the law goes on to say exactly the same thing so that you may live long upon the land. And so when you've got the easiest and the, supposedly the hardest, and they've both got the same reasoning stated, it's always been understood that that's so we don't know the value. We can't sign one point to one, ten points to another, because we'd all do the ten-point one and not worry about the one-point one. Pile
0: so <laughs> yeah, you're so exactly it's all right, yes. It so that's mean, right. It doesn't, it doesn't mean there are no different stages of evil. I mean, there are certain things that are, you know, terrible, terrible, sure. and certain things that will not look so terrible. But I think the point you make is is valid. We we are as human beings, we do tend to prioritize. And say, oh, that's not so bad. I can do that one, but uh, this one over here, I don't want to no. do that one. Uh, I guess well, that would nice. be. Our
4: and you've got the hardest and the easiest both with, with the same rule that so you may live long upon the land. That's clearly a physical thing. As you said, it has nothing to do with salvation and it's how to live. And so you got the easiest and the hardest stating exactly the same thing. We don't know what value to assign. That prohibits us from being able to assign a value. And so we just attribute them all to being equal so. Going back to your question about ceremonial moral, we don't have, in the, in the Jewish world, there's no way for us to discern what's worth more and what's worth. In the physical world, we can understand that murder is worse than, you know, probably stealing some money.
3: So, and
4: how we can do that is is that for intentional murder, the penalty is death. For robbery, the penalty is repaying double. Mm-hmm. So we know that there's, you know, there's something greater. There are certainly greater offenses on the earth. But the truth is, is that we don't know. That way we can't figure out. And the way it's written that way, is it's always been understood, is so that we cannot figure it out. So we do them all. But as for, like, let's say, keeping the festival days, uh, yeah, you know, Yom Kippur just passed, and Sukkot just passed a couple days ago. Uh, but that, those... Uh, those are the pilgrim festivals where you're supposed to go to Israel, at least if you can. And on those days, those are supposed to be kept forever. But we don't know the value. We don't know the value of not mixing uh, uh, blood with milk. You know, the famous thing about, uh, it's in the Bible three or four times, it says, do not mix, uh, do not cook a child, a goat, in its mother's milk. The reason for that is we don't mix death and life because milk is meant to give a baby a baby goat life and if you're taking it and using it for death you're mixing life and death and you're supposed to be respectful and be aware of things that are meant for life things that are meant for
0: death yeah and not to use something that's meant to life not to use it in in a way that produces death i i really think that's a i i love that particular passage about uh don't uh cook a kid in his mother's milk a lamb in his mother's milk i i it's it's mentioned so many times a number of different times and it's always in this i i've kind of taken it to me don't even as moses is saying don't use uh, these laws they're meant to give life they're meant for good but don't use them to bang people over the head don't use them in a way that is counterproductive that uh, I, I i don't know It seems to me like there's a little bit of kind of an inherent warning and it, it's it's it seems like more of a a wise saying than more than a, like a specific command. Uh, it's kind of the idea that I You know,
4: Sophie, you're 100% right. In fact, you'll find that that is mentioned, I forgot if it's four or five times, uh-huh. but every time it's mentioned is at the summary of some other lesson, exactly what you're saying. And so will say, don't do this, don't do that, you should do this, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. And then it'll sum up by saying, don't cook a kid in its mother's milk. So it's giving that idea of mixing life and death exactly as you're saying in the in the lesson of how you're supposed to do things as you live. So you're 100 percent right. It's used as a, a principle. But first, uh, let's see. I know there's there's one that says uh, never place a uh, a a uh, foreign god's altar next to the altar of God. Yes. And, and then it appears about the, the kid in the mother's milk. So it's the idea that other God's altars, you can't make them equal to God because you're trying to compromise, so you're mixing life and death.
1: Yes. And, and, and,
0: and, oh, man, I tell you. Uh, life is complex, in not Jacob? You know, Lee is on the line. Let me bring him up real quick and see if he might have other, uh, an idea, too, something to add to our discussion. Hi, Lee. Good to talk with you tonight. Oh, I thought I hit the right number. Let's see if
6: I. In regard to our friend that wants to debate about the rapture, there you go. um, I'm not sure he's aware of the fact that after Revelation 3, the church is not mentioned, it's gone. So that would aim toward the pre tribulation rapture. There's irrefutable evidence there. And then, with what you and Soapy are discussing uh dis discussing yes, yes. <laughs> you know in in Galatians, and a good study of Galatians will free us from legalism because I understand there is a movement back to uh, obeying this law and that law, you know chapter five it says, "Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free." and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And then back in Galatians 4, But when the fullness of the time was come, God set forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So just my thought is, before we start adding yokes and burdens that we don't need to because of what Christ did on the cross and the resurrection, we ought to do a good study of Galatians 5 and understand Paul's teaching about that.
0: Exactly, Lee. Good idea. And again, particularly as we're talking about, I mean, see, not not exclusively, but particularly as we're talking about salvation, which is the theme that Paul is addressing, is that we're not made right with God, by keeping the law, uh, that—that's—I think the point he's making there is that we were not to be under that kind of bondage. And there were, although uh, as Jacob kind of points out in his understanding, that that was never taught that we actually are made right with God by keeping the law. That there were, uh, as you talk, you use the word legalist. Or the, there was—I mean, there's a there's an element of legalism in human beings that uh, whether. Uh, we may talk about being under grace and not under the law and all that sort of thing. As uh, uh, Sophie, and so Sophie may I add something? Sure, sure. Let me finish that one thought. We may talk about being free, but it's still there's a tendency to put ourselves under some kind of a mandate for you're not going to go to heaven if you don't do this or you do that and so on. So I think we're not talking about salvation so much as, as the ways that we want to live and isn't it proper, Jacob? To it isn't terrible. I don't think Lee on your part even it wouldn't be terrible if if, if believers voluntarily say, "Hey, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna mark Yom Kippur. I'm gonna mark the day. Uh, you know, I'm gonna mark this day. You know, the festival of of uh, booths or you know the tab- you know the festival of tents and that sort of thing." I, it isn't if they don't do that under obligation, but voluntarily as a way of is that. I'm wondering if Lee, if you would say, if it's not under mandate, where well, you're saying we have to do it, but hey, that's that's really a helpful, that's a helpful celebration to mark and to remember uh, our redemption and our salvation uh, in that way. That wouldn't be the same thing as being under the mandate of the law, would it? Maybe Jacob, you did want to add something. Go ahead.
4: Yeah, I'd like to add one thing. Uh, first, I'd like to say hello, Lee. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yes. Jacob, good, I good to hear to you, this, I've been missing I your... think, uh, Yeah, I think the issue is the definition of legalism, because legalism, <clears throat> there is a word for that, believe it or not, in the Hebrew, but legalism is man-made laws, not God laws. The legalism of many churches, and, uh, and let's face it, the, uh, the Pharisees, as we know, and the uh, and some of the other groups, in the, as we're told in the Bible, they started doing legalism. Legalism, it's important to have that definition. I had one talk. We're not talking about God's laws. We're talking about man-made laws. Let's suppose that I said, well, you can't do this because I think this means this, or I implement a law that in, an, in my denomination, Jewish or Christian, anything. That's man-made. That's legalism. Legalism is not is not God's laws. Legalism is when somebody is taking laws and extrapolating. For example, uh, we all know, and I'll, I'll give you an example. And it's in um, Matthew, I think it's twelve or fifteen, but it's where the, uh, Jesus and his disciples are going through the field, and they're picking some corn and they're eating it. Well, the Pharisees said, hey, your guys are going through the field picking corn and now washing their hands. Now, there is nothing in the Torah about that. In fact, quite frankly, in Deuteronomy, it's just the opposite. God said you can't harvest somebody's corn and crops because that's stealing. But if you're passing through, you're free to pick a ear
0: of corn and eat. So it actually says you can. The Pharisees said you can't. But the problem was that they were doing it on the Sabbath. That was the point they were getting at.
4: Right? Well, uh, yeah. Well, uh, that might be another point. Uh-huh. But, uh, but the so, uh, they added certain things. They had to define because and we must remember too. And 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 I'm not being an apologist for them, but. Uh, I am saying that they also, that was a time period when they were not allowed to have the Torah. So the Pharisees were constructing fences, if you will, and saying, look, this is our theory. If we don't go across this fence, we never actually abridge the actual God's laws. And basically, I believe Jesus was saying, no, no, don't worry about the fences. Don't add the stuff. Just do what God's laws said. And and uh, and I have uh, I've really gone back and looked at it very closely, and my my opinion is, uh, I think Lee's points very well taken. But I think the heart to resolve this is in the middle of what legalism means, because it is not God's laws that is legalism; it's man made.
6: I think that another example uh, to to back up what you're saying is when David and his men took the showbread uh and ate that when they were on a mission uh, there was certainly no hindrance uh to be uh to not do that. Uh, I found too in in uh, galatians five six for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision but faith which worketh by love I think I think what I'm trying to say is Uh, And and I talked with with a couple that were joining a church where they were going back and required to start uh, obeying some of these what you're saying the, the the man's laws. Now there's an excellent book out called None of These Diseases, and that simply is a physician, and he analyzes the dietary restrictions that God gave in the Old Testament and and proved very conclusively that uh there was good reason for god uh, to to give those dietary restrictions uh for example some of the the fish the shrimp or whatever that were bottom feeders were picking up the wrong stuff from the bottom of the ocean mm-hmm. and of course we eat shrimp and that gets into our system so there is a there, there is good reason for that type of thing.
0: health reasons, yes. Uh-huh. Uh, I, uh, hello,
6: I just, yeah, I'm, I'm still here, but uh, oh. Soapy dropped off. I, I
0: lost him. Am I here still? <laughs> I'm not here. Very soft. Oh, okay. I was just saying there were health reasons that you, you know, b- besides, the, it was for the health and well-being of, of the, evidently of the society of the people. Absolutely. So, anyway, go go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, I was just kind of accentuating your point there. I, I, I think it's a good no. I'm point. I'm fine.
6: I, I wanted to, to just make that point. Uh, I'm just yeah. concerned. And I think I
4: think Lee makes an a excellent point because he technically he's a hundred percent right uh, because it does say in the Book of Galatians what he's referring to. However, I would be quick to add. That the book is written not to Jews, but to Galatians. And so that's a group of people he's talking to, and he's saying, to them, look, you don't have to be circumcised. Exactly going back to that Acts 15, because the Gentiles never had to be circumcised. If they chose to, that would be a different matter. But if they didn't want to, they didn't have to. So, actually, at least quoting, I agree with because it's written to the Galatians, not to the Jews. Paul, I'm not aware that Paul ever told the Jews to disobey God's laws.
0: Right. And I, and I don't, I don't think I remember anything like that where there was instructions. Okay, now you can leave the law behind. Now it's all over with. Um, <laughs> It, it's well, a yeah, I think point. he was particularly it's point,
6: but it's concerned that we obey the Ten Commandments. <laughs>
0: sure, it, yeah. I mean, he's taking the time to write them on our hearts, for sure. Lee, I appreciate it. You've added a good, good perspective and uh, brought us some good points. I want us to, if we can, we're about to run out of time anyway. Thanks for calling in, Lee. We appreciate it. You're welcome, sir. God bless you. You too, friend. Sure. Well, uh, Jacob, we've only got a minute or two left. I, I, I need to protect you to let you give us our send-off of New Testament that we were thinking of, James and, and 1 Peter, First, 2nd, 3rd, John and Jude. Uh, amazing, fascinating little books, but uh, maybe we can talk about them a little bit more next week as we come back and you'll be here in the house with us. How are you going to send us off tonight?
1: The Bible Live is dedicated to helping second. restore the Bible to our culture and
4: is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 1888. That's Box 18888.
0: San Antonio, Texas, 78218.
1: Hear the entire Bible every year on the Bible Live weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Sophie every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on the, the Bible, Bible Live Quiz Live. Show.